Welcome to the VO School podcast, dedicated to the art, craft, and business of voiceover. Each week builds upon the last to give you a comprehensive understanding of a career in VO. My name's Jamie Moffat. I'm a full-time voice talent and audio engineer, and I'll be joined by some of the industry's top professionals on both sides of the microphone to drill down and dig up the truth. Hello, hello. Welcome to the VO School podcast. And today we're talking about DAWs, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Tim Tippetts and Emmett Andrews. Now, every time the three of us talk, it's never a short conversation, and today is no exception. So I'm going to keep this intro very brief, because we did kind of ramble on for quite a long time. So before we get on to the interview, I'm just going to do the usual bits of housekeeping. Now, you can find us on all of the social media platforms. Well, I say all, it's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we are VO School Podcast. Now, in every episode these days, I feature questions from the audience, and I usually ask those on the day of the recording in the VO School podcast group. Now, you can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash VO School podcast. That's not the page, it's the group. So navigate there, join the group, be a part of the conversation. You can ask us questions in that group and interact with myself and other guests and For everything else and links to our Patreon page, which you should definitely sign up for, you can visit our website, voschoolpodcast.com. Okay, that's enough of that. So we'll have a couple of quick ads and then we'll get straight into our DAW episode with Emmett Andrews and Tim Tippetts. Connect your studio to the world with IPDTL. IPDTL is a cost-effective alternative to ISDN without the need for hardware or line rental. Connect, mix, and record up to four locations at the same time, including phone patch, right from your computer. You don't need additional software as IPDTL runs in your browser, and you can even get your own ISDN number. Try a day pass for just $15 or subscribe monthly or yearly. So for directed sessions, interviews, and of course, podcasts, choose IPDTL. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Okay, so today... I am joined by Tim Tippetts and Emmett Andrews, who've both been on the podcast before, but I don't think you guys have been on together. Is that right? We have not. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Well, this is a journey of discovery today. (laughs) Today, we're talking about doors, not the things you walk through, DAWs, digital (laughs) audio workstations. So first of all, let's establish what they are. So who wants to talk about what a door is? Emmett, go Take for it, it man. Take yeah, it, oh, come on. All right. Okay. So a DAW is a digital audio workstation, and it's essentially software that gives you a way to bring in uh, your audio so that you can record it. It's pretty simple. You know, it has an interface. It has uh, input channels and ways to 
identify uh, the hardware that you're using and so on and so forth, typically. Hmm. And then once you record it in the DAW, you can do any number of things, which is edit, uh, create, and uh, apply effects. Uh, there are uh, single track in, in waveform. Uh, there are multi-track, all sorts of options. So that that's the, the kind of 5,000-foot view. Uh, DAWs can be as simple or as complicated as you can possibly imagine. It just depends on which one you're using. But yeah, I, th I think that's a, a more or less a good wrap-up of what that is. And it's a software application. It's not anything hardware. Yeah, it's a software yeah. application, correct, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like the best way to think of it is like a giant tape, you know, amazing tape machine that you can record on, but it's all on software, you know, and, and it's writing to your, to your hard disk and your computer. Yeah. And I think we're pretty much there now that everyone uses a computer to record to. No one's using hard disk recorders or tape. <laughs> I don't know. I got, I know some guys who are using two inch uh, tape and really, uh, oh yeah, they, I mean, it's not too far from me. It's probably just a few miles from me and he's got this amazing massive machine that he just swears by and you know, it's that it's two that inch whole tape analog, as well. <laughs> two inch or in, inch, yeah. It's it's it, whatever it is. It's massive, and uh, he swears by it, man. You know, because you get that uh, certain harmonic uh, whatever. I'm guessing he's not uh, not using the two inch for a whole lot of voiceover work. No, that's what I was thinking. No, this is a <laughs> this is a studio where they record bands. But, oh well, that's uh, different. Yeah, but yeah, no one in voiceover. If you if you if you're using tape and voiceover, stop doing that. Yeah, what are you thinking? <laughs> You're just making your life needlessly tough. Um, so first of all, before we get started, we'll just get our allegiances out of the way. What do you guys use as your DAWs? Well, it's going to be the same answer, Adobe Audition here. Uh, I use Audition. I use Pro Tools on a daily basis, and I use Twisted Wave pretty regularly also. Oh, Twisted Wave. That's interesting. Why did you go the Twisted ra Wave route? Uh, because of its simplicity. Um mm. Also, it's about the only thing that I think works really, really well on an iPad or a phone. Yeah. And so I just duplicated it on my, my MacBook as well. Mm. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I, I haven't found anything that records as well as Twisted Wave does on, uh, on an iPad or an iPhone, for that matter. Right. Yeah, I agree. I've, I yeah. use Twisted Wave on my iPad. It's great. Now, that being said, that being said uh, if you are running anything in post to affect your VO, that's not so easy mm. on the mobile. It's oh, yeah. uh, pretty much a one step at a time, you know, type of thing. But I, most of the people that I know who are recording uh, remotely on an iPad, uh, they have a job where, you know, the, the audio is going in raw anyway, or they're doing an audition, typically. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have Pro Tools and I use Audition, but... Um, just because I don't want to buy a second license and iLock and all that kind of business, I use Audition at my other studio and Pro Tools at my home studio. So I'm a bit of a yeah. tight ass that way. Um, okay, so we've mentioned a couple of brands here. So I'm just going to list a load of them so uh, you can be familiar, everyone at home who's listening. Um, if you hear a brand such as Pro Tools, Logic, Audition, Reaper, Twisted Wave, Audacity, Studio One, Sonar, Ableton, which I don't think anyone uses for voiceover, but I'll list that anyway. GarageBand, Cubase. Tim, you had a list earlier. Did I miss any? No, you just covered all of them and then some. So it's pretty much Shaw, Harrison, Mixbus. I just thought of those oh, two of off course. the top of my uh -huh. head. 
way more than you can shake a stick at. That's yeah, for sure. exactly. So there's a lot there, and um, they all do the same thing in a different way, more or less the same thing. Um, and we're going to try and pick out which ones are more appropriate for certain things and which ones are better for other things today. Um, so what are the best characteristics of a, a DAW for voiceover? What do voiceover people need from their DAW, would you say? I would I would say the the very first thing is simplicity of recording and simplicity of basic editing like uh, you know, breath removal and and getting a second take. Um, though I don't use it, I know punch and roll is really really big, especially with audiobook uh, type people and. Mm. So just those those basic core functions, more than anything, though, the simplicity of hitting a record button and recording and the simplicity of uh, hitting delete to remove something you don't want in there, I, I think are the absolute core pieces. And then I would go on to, to say, support for third-party plugins or yeah. a really good suite of processing tools are, are something that I would consider really important to at least have whether you use them or not mm -hmm. and could you just explain what punch and roll is for those who are not familiar uh being that i don't use it i don't really know how to put it into words tim yeah can I, can, you I can put it into words sure i mean i don't i don't do audiobooks but punch and roll is something that i'm very familiar with back in the engineering and, and music and whatnot so mm. Punch and roll essentially is just a way of bringing back your timeline to, uh, for voiceover anyway, to where you made a mistake, um, typically for audiobook people. They want to hear a little bit of what it is that, um, that they were saying before so that they can kind of pick up the pace and the tone and the energy and all of that. So they hear a little bit of that. And then on the mark that they set previously, it begins recording automatically. Right. right? So that allows you to grab your book and get back in the mindset and just have to listen and now, for music, you know, it's you're queuing up for a guitar or whatever. If you're dropping mm -hmm. something in in a, in a lead or a vocal or whatever, uh, you know, once again, it's just kind of giving you a little bit of a preview uh, so that you can hear it and correct your mistake. So, punch, but punch and roll, you know, it's one of those things where if you're doing it in Audacity, which is a free open source program, um, I've seen punch and roll done in so many different ways. I you know, I couldn't even, couldn't even begin to tell you which is the best way to do it. Mm. But, uh, a lot of people don't, uh, really have their head around what one DAW may or may not do. And so in audition, for instance, if I'm in waveform view, uh, for me, if I want to preview a little bit, I'll take my playhead back a little bit, play. And once I hear it on my Mac, I hit shift and space bar, mm. uh, or I can hit the record button. And for me, it's the same as punch and roll, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I suppose it all depends because I have a split screen where I have my script up on the screen and I have my DAW down below. And so I have the advantage of being able to read it off right away and not have to look at my keyboard or grab a book or anything like that. So, And that's, that's exactly the way I would make that sort of edit versus I, I know some people, especially audiobook people, long form uh, users, they they like that simplicity of it hits the mark and and the edit is pretty much already done um, with traditional punch and roll versus you have a little gap in there that you have to snip up later. I do all short form stuff, so I don't mind going back and trimming that up later. 
Yeah, and and some software, Tim, so it doesn't sound like Audition does this. You can't define the pre-roll time like you can in, in other DAWs. So you actually, say like two seconds. Actually, you can. Or you can, okay. You, you actually can. There is a, yeah. There are things in Audition called extensions that you can add. Oh, and, right. And um, they essentially, well, they are exactly what they sound like. Uh, they are extensions. And, um, you know, you add them on and they give you any... Uh, particular capability you know depending on what it is that you're trying to do and there currently is a plugin uh or an extension rather excuse me hmm. um and actually i'm looking it up right now uh so travis uh baldry i hope i'm saying his last name correctly here travis baldry came up with a punch and roll uh video he's got a few of them on here and i believe he actually built the extension as well uh but it's something that you can get in the extension store i don't know if that's exactly what it's called but uh, essentially it's just a little window that sits there and it allows you to determine, uh, whether you're going to have beats, uh, th- or chirping or whatever that you're going to hear on beat before, uh, you cue in mm. to do your VO or whether you're just going to have a pause, uh, or, you know, whatever. Uh, and you can determine the amount of seconds that you want it to do that. So, yeah. um, it, you know, Adobe doesn't have any official built in punch and roll, but, but again, from my perspective, this, <laughs> You know, this goes back to the DAW that you're using and also the mentality that you might have. Uh, I'm, you know, a huge fan of efficiency. And so as, as Emmett was talking about earlier, you know, you know, that's the way he'd go about doing it as, as well as because I don't want to have to sift through hours and hours of, uh, listening to myself, Mm. uh, you know, and then making corrections. I would rather make it there in real time and, you know, move on. But uh, Audition, you know, continues to just, uh, uh, Adobe continues to improve their tool and get right. feedback from the community. They're especially interested, uh, as of late, I'm on the, I'm on the pre-release team. They're, uh, they're really getting into the voiceover thing and there's a lot more support, uh, that's been coming from them, uh, in that, in that regard. And, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we don't see punch and roll built in as an official, uh, feature moving forward here in the near future. I'm not saying there is, by the way. I'm not saying there is. Yeah. Because I don't <laughs> not know. giving anything but, away. <laughs> but, it wouldn't, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. And that's a perfect example of why you may be drawn to one DAW over another. If, for example, punch and roll was part of your process, you're not necessarily going to choose Twisted Wave. I'm assuming Twisted Wave doesn't have that facility other than literally restarting and re-recording. That's my understanding, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's go through a few different scenarios. So if you're brand new to voiceover and you're not hugely familiar with digital recording, but it's something you want to get into and it's obviously as part of being a voice actor in 2018 and beyond, you really need to learn this stuff. What would you recommend? Would you recommend going for one of just jumping in at the deep end and going for something that you're going to maybe be overwhelmed with at the start but it's going to be something you're going to stick with for many many years and is always going to you know be something that you're familiar with or would you start with a really simple program and then work up i i would recommend starting with what's free or what has fully functional demo versions available just to see what you like see what speaks Mm. to you because when you look at the screen when you start clicking around some of them are going to just simply make more sense than others. Uh, right. That's just the nature of the beast. That's that's the way different minds work, and that's why we have all these different types of software that we can choose. And the beauty of of DAWs, and I don't know if you were going to cover this a little bit later, but I've, I've, it's 
it was a it was more of an issue maybe a, a decade ago or more but they all sound the same mm. um the 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 core they all record the same way so it it's not that you know the nuendo which is i, I think it's more than $2000 records anything different than <laughs> um you know twisted wave which is i think 80 bucks and you can sometimes get it on sale for 20 yeah. they record the exact same thing that's determined by your interface your sound card and your hardware going in by the time it gets to the daw it's all zeros and ones so it really comes down to just what speaks to you, what feels good when you click through it. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that, wow, it's amazing how how our viewpoints can differ. But on that, I, I have to agree. When you're first starting out, you should be trying something, um, you know, perhaps like Audacity just to kind of get your your feet wet. But this is one of those things where, you know, everyone is rooting for the home team, right? It's like yeah. you ask them, you know, well, what's your favorite football team? And you're asking someone from Dallas and you expect to hear something other than the Cowboys, right? Mm. Um, it's what you're used to. It's what you were first introduced to. You know, you it, it becomes organic for the person, their experience, right? They're, mm. they're like, I've, I've had some people who have been operating in an incredibly inefficient manner and you just, you can't get the DAW out of their hands. You know, it's just, it's impossible. Yeah. Uh, they just will not use anything else. And, you know, that's, that's understandable. But, uh, you know, again, if you were to ask me, I would say, look, Adobe Audition, Adobe Audition, like all day long, right? Right. And I could give you a list of reasons why, and I'll stick by that. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, for people who are listening out there, just understand this. If you get into Audacity, for instance, it's open source. Um, you don't have any official support in the way that, you know, a larger company that you're, that you're paying for the software. And that makes sense, right? Cause you're, you're getting what it is that you pay for. Uh, can you record, will it record the same bit rate, uh, and, and sample rate and so on and so forth? Yes, absolutely. But just understand that you're not going to get the support that you typically would, uh, and or updates, uh, that you typically would from, uh, from a larger company. And uh, you may, you know, also not get a lot of the features that that a more premium package would have. So, mm. but there is there is one specific snag with uh, Audacity that I'm going to jump on, even though it's real technical. Um, I, I don't know how much this is going to resonate with anybody. I know it'll make sense to at least the two of you. Mm. Audacity on Windows machines cannot use ASIO drivers, which are uh, the standard for pretty much every DAW on the market. Uh, that is basically a direct pipeline from the interface into the DAW software, bypassing anything that the operating system might do. And because Audacity is open source, it can't use ASIO drivers. Mm. So that means the audio has to go through Windows in some way, shape, or form. And on Ugh. some systems, depending on settings, uh, it can resample the audio, it can change the audio, it can do things to the audio. So it is possible with Audacity that you'll get a slightly lower quality recording than you will with everything else on the market. Yeah. And I've had mm. people drop their buffer size in order to get rid of, uh, for those who are listening out there, buffer size is the amount of uh, kind of uh, processing power or time, rather, that you're giving your computer to process the audio. 
uh, in real time. And so when you lower that, you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get less what's called latency, which is you're speaking into the computer, it's moving into the DAW, uh, and then back out through your headphones. And of course, there's going to be a delay there. Uh, and the longer that you give that DAW to chew on that data or your computer to chew on that data, the more pure uh, the signal or the actual recording is going to be. And so as a result of, of the problem that, that uh, Emmett just described, some people are dropping their buffer size so they don't have that latency when they're listening through the software in real time. And because of that, the quality of the audio degrades and it could be in the form of static, clicks, dropouts, all sorts of stuff. So that, what Emmett just described for me from a pro's standpoint is a total non-starter. You know, it's just not even an option. And I, I'm honestly quite ignorant of the way PCs operate. So that, that's the equivalent of using core audio, Emmett? So core, core audio is a little bit smarter design than, uh, than what the Windows architecture is. Mm. Uh, the Windows architecture, Windows likes to take control of things. It likes to hand, have its hand in everything. So the Steinberg company, to get around that, invented ASIO, and they made it, uh, it, it's free, but it's not open source. So it's, mm. it's free for manufacturers to use, and that's why it's a standard, but it's not open source, and that's why uh, it, Audacity can't use it because they can't distribute the open source code for it. Mm. Um, Core Audio doesn't have that same problem. Apple isn't so worried about taking control and changing things. Um, so Core Audio already allows for that direct pipeline. It already allows for that direct communication with minimal to no interference from the operating system. Right. Okay. All right. That's that's clear. Um, so that actually leads nicely onto this question. Mac or PC? <laughs> simple, Mac. Simple question. <laughs> Mac. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I well, could, we're going to okay, get I, angry letters. Of yeah, that. <laughs> no, I understand. But I have something to say about that. Um, yeah. Being what, and now I don't call myself this, but um, I was quite often referred to as a power user because I used to build these, you know, massive PCs with, uh, you know, basically a, a, you know, Volkswagen with a jet engine in it, you know. That Did you have those like cooling tubes of water? Uh, no, like that, that. I actually stopped doing that before the cooling tube thing came about. But yeah, I mean, I, I look at it and I, I admire it. I wish I had it, but um, I fought. I fought off Mac forever, mm. forever. I really did. My wife got one uh, from her dad. It was a laptop, and I'd look at it and just be like, whatever. You know, and she's like, oh, it's great. It's awesome. And I go, what, Safari? What are you kidding? It's, it's not a <laughs> name of a browser. You know, this, I, want a, I want a, you know, real name. And uh, it, it was just one of those things I just fought off forever. And then eventually I got, I switched from the Droid to the iPhone. And then I saw the seamless experience she was having between her iPhone and her Mac. And then I eventually got a Mac because I had lots of friends, of course, who were engineers and, you know, all that. And they said, dude, Mac is the way to go. You got to mm -hmm. go Mac. I kept fighting it off and fighting it off. But I have to say, since switching to Mac, there's just no way I'm going back. And people can make the argument about you know video processing and all of that and then a mac user can say yeah what about the new uh the new 5k max that's you know pc killer uh and you know rendering farms massive amazing computers but we're talking voice over here yeah that's right? it. and i yeah. have never experienced i've never had a better experience and a more reliable experience than i have through all of the mac stuff because the the hardware and the software is fully integrated because yeah. Apple makes all of it, number one. 
Right. They don't exactly. let anyone through the door that's not approved and fully vetted. And on the Windows side, you have an operating system, which, you know, Emmett was talking about it earlier. Windows likes to control everything. Ever since they took over Skype, it's been a complete disaster. So Microsoft, if you're listening out there, help, please. They won't be. Uh, they, won't, yeah, they won't be. But uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, the thing is, is that if you think about this, Microsoft is a software development company. Mm. Dell is a hardware company. Okay. IBM yeah. is a hardware company. Those are, those are disconnects, number one. Now you have literally hundreds of thousands of vendors making hardware and software and they're not talking to each other. Yeah. Okay. And so you bring all of this together. And this is why, you know, Microsoft lets the public basically troubleshoot their, their OS. All right. That's been my mm -hmm. observation. And it's always been that way. And anyone who, who understands what the blue screen of death is, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's when your PC just goes, yeah, sorry, I give up. And you got this blue screen and it says, you know, thread count, whatever, and a bunch of code that, you know, you just can't possibly understand. And so anyway, from my perspective, that's my case. I'm glad I finally got to do that on a podcast and, uh, <laughs> you know, talk to the masses about why it is that I switched to Mac. So for all you PCers out there, I'm sorry, I'm a traitor, but I, I went to the dark side. And as this relates to DAWs, when a DAW uh, manufacturer brings out a new bit of software or they make an update, it's easier for them to write that code for Macs because they're, you know, the for example, the 2011 MacBook Pro, they know what that is. They know all the components. They know that what the hard drive is and the graphics card and so, so on and so forth. But PCs, it's the Wild West. <laughs> you could have a PC. That's, really that's right. For, yeah. for me, it's much more about, about hardware than the operating system. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have no problem with the Windows operating system. I'm, I'm fine with it. It's, you know, it's personal preference to me when it comes to the operating system. But the hardware, the amount of differences that can happen with... PC hardware, the mm. amount of different components that can be used is just astounding. And there is no way for hardware manufacturers to test all those different combinations or even 1% of those combinations. Whereas with Apple, they use pretty much the same brand of components throughout their entire line. Everything's very uniform. It's easy to test. And they can usually get their hands on the exact thing that, that their users, that their, their customers are going to be using. And uh, so it, it just comes out to be a more stable package right out of the box. Mm. This, is, this is me not hating on PCs. I'm actually, yeah. believe it or not, I'm recording this on a PC right now. What? I've still got PCs. I am. <laughs> it's true. I, I've still got PCs around. I still like them. And for those who really are, are married to the Windows experience, the best PC I've ever owned is a Mac running boot camp with yeah. Windows 7. Yeah, because I have you to get all with, the benefits yeah. of that Apple hardware and you can still use Windows and it ends up being incredibly stable for mm. Windows and for audio with Windows. Yep. And I've had a few people, at least a few people, uh, who have contacted me for help who have switched over to the Mac and are running boot camp, mm. running Windows and boot camp. And now another thing is, um, you know, being <laughs> with my my R&D background, research and development background uh, and systems builder type of person. I keep, you know, stats and I'm looking at metrics. And the reality of the situation is, is that 80% of the problems that people come to me with, uh, they're on PCs. Right. And so if that means anything to anyone out there. Uh, I, uh, I was a, a Windows tech support guy when I worked at Sweetwater. Uh, ah. That was that was my role, and I sat between two Apple guys. 
And I would say the amount of phone calls we both got were, were pretty equal, but the PCs were actually having technical problems. The Mac problems were almost entirely just a very quick, simple fix. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because they know the system. They know the system that they're dealing with when, you, when they speak to the client. Oh, okay, I've got a 2015 MacBook Pro. Okay, I know what's going on. Yeah, but to, but to be fair, I do want to say one thing. Mm. If I were a gamer... It'd be PC all the way. Mm. There's zero question well, about that. Well, this is this is interesting. What you know, because obviously we're dealing with high quality audio, twenty four bit audio, you know, whatever sample rate. You know mm. that that is somewhat taxing to a computer. But these days, you know, most computers can take that in their stride. So, you know, if you're talking about needing a all singing, all dancing, crazy high tech top spec computer, you know, you're you're spending money unnecessarily to some degree. So. Are we saying that maybe you may want to go for a lower spec Mac versus a, a higher spec PC in that respect, um, purely for the stability and the predictability of the hardware and its integration with the software and, and all those things? It, Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. I no, would agree. No yes. question about it. I recently had a student who's uh, taking my four-hour course. We were just having so many problems uh, with her PC that, you know, I just talked to her about it and she said, you know, I'm going to go get a Mac and it's a a thousand dollar Mac. It's a 21.5 inch, you know, brand new. She wants brand new and that's fine. Mm. Uh, but both of my kids here in the home have a 2009, 2011, 27 inch, uh, you know, I mean, that's, and they're running uh, Sierra, I think on one and high Sierra on the other yeah. currently. And it's way more than they need for voiceover. So, you know, when people are asking me, you know, well, you know, I want a fully loaded Mac. I, I want it to run properly and I don't want any problems. Look, there are tons of people who are running $1,000 MacBook Airs. There are a lot of people who are running Mac Minis. Yeah. Um, some people are souping up Mac Minis, uh, you know, to a scale that's way more than you need. Way more than you need yeah. for voiceover. It's not any different than the Apollo Twin, which I'm, I'm voicing on right now. Yeah, me too. It's way more than you need for VO. You know, it's mm. meant for, you know, music, but it has all of these other great features. And so that's why I use it. But the, the reality is we're, we're talking about something that not, you know, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you would ache about those specs. But audio compared to the things that, thing, that people are doing out of so-called home studios, uh, which I now call pro studios because the paradigm yeah. is completely shifted now. Mm -hmm. But um, these people are, and I do it too. I'm, I'm running After Effects and, and Premiere and doing all these, you know, like high-end things on my 2013 Mac laptop. Right, yeah. Right, and I'm not even, like, audio is an afterthought for me. Like, it's, you know, it's yeah. I'm, we're recording this whole thing right now, and I've got probably, I don't know, 20 different windows open, you know. I'm right. always researching. I've got, like, 25 tabs open on my on my uh, web browser, and I'm not sweating it at, at all because it's just any, audio. Any more system specs are almost entirely irrelevant. The only one that still matters really is hard drive speed because that tends mm. to be where things get stopped up with audio if the hard drive isn't fast enough. Right. But every other modern processor on the market and any any modern computer made with any sort of RAM, it's, it's fast enough. It's fast enough to handle multiple tracks of audio, high resolution audio, no problem at all. It's just that that hard drive can be a sticking point and you really only run into that on PC laptops for the most part. Right. And now... Pretty much all um, 
DAW programs are like 64-bit, so they can use the full power of the machine to, to process everything. So, um, okay, let's drag this back to DAWs because that's the subject of, of today. So what are the cheaper or free DAWs lacking? Uh, that's a really, really tough question. Uh, mm. Not much. Uh, no. It's it, It's very little stuff that's lacking. Uh, I mean, Pro Tools has some some added things that probably don't have much application for voiceover, things like complex routing that other programs can't do as well. Mm. But for the most part, it's it's really not about having the features. It's more about the implementation of the features and the yeah. way they're put into the program and how your brain works and the fact that the more expensive programs versus the free or cheap programs, the more expensive ones are built by pros. They are tested by pros. Pros give feedback all the time and the companies listen. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're running a business, you want to be able to get it back up and running if something goes wrong or you want to feel that connection with the software so that you can operate it quickly and you're familiar with it. And it it's an enjoyable process as much as possible. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, DAWs are, again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. You know, it's, it's a very personal thing. It's, mm. you know, if someone goes to Guitar Center and asks uh, one of the engineers over there, uh, you know, what mic should I get? What, what uh, DAW should I get? They're going to say Pro Tools and you should get the NT1A and, you know, send them on their merry way because that's mm. what they know. Yeah. Right. Uh, but voiceover is a completely different animal mm. altogether. And so. You know, it, 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 Emmett was just talking about it. it. It really, you know, a lot of it is like what, you know, what feels good to you, like what works for you. And, and people are creatures of habit. They settle in and they get used to doing things uh, the way that they do things. And you could show them, you know, that, hey, look, this thing will, not only will it record your voiceover, but it'll, it'll do your laundry and book your airline tickets. And they wouldn't <laughs> care. You know, yeah. they would just, yeah, I don't care. I'm, you know, used to using this and that's it. But one of the things that's really, really important, feature upgrades, um, uh, very specific ones, by the way, because a lot more of these companies who are providing these DAWs are realizing that the VO community just continues to grow and grow and grow. And we're becoming a much larger piece of the pie. Uh, YouTubers, mm. uh, another great example, you know, more and more of those every day who need this information and they need uh, software to record on. And often they're finding that once they get above level X with the free software, that they would like to start exploring some of these other features because they hear that, you know, in Adobe Audition, for instance, I can uh, set a favorite to one button mm. and run it and it will run my entire rack and, uh, you know, which has five or six plugins in it, uh, all very light processing. But uh, nonetheless, still, you know, processing and then uh, normalizes everything for me and then it's good to go. And it's a one button thing, hmm. you know, so it, you know, it, it but again, it, it's just, you know, I don't know how, how else to put it other than to say that you get what you pay for. Right. You know, um, what's the old saying, you know, nothing good is free or however that goes. I mean, that's true to a certain degree. So, yeah, I completely agree. Um, so you mentioned plugins there. Um, let's talk about the workflow a little bit with a DAW. So essentially, when you're a voice actor, you're using your microphone, it gets plugged into an interface or a preamp, and then a 
converter and then the audio gets into your computer it'll come up on your screen in your DAW as a, a waveform and essentially your job can be done at that point your audio is in the computer it's a digital format you can export that and send it to the client but a lot of times people want to take that audio and sweeten it a little bit maybe they'll want to even out the volume a little bit or sweeten the high frequencies or take down some of the frequencies that they don't like um, in more extreme examples they may want to do some audio restoration what do you want to call it noise reduction stuff like that if they mm. have things that they don't like in terms of like mouth clicks or pops or something like that or environmental sound so now we're getting into how we can really finesse the audio so um you said just then you get what you pay for now the higher end daws may have a better suite of plugins that come with it now the cheaper ones that may not be the case what what do you think about that is that a fair assessment of the lay of the land I mean, it would be really easy for me to get on my high horse on this particular topic here. And, and I know it's going to be easy for Emmett, too, because Emmett, Emmett and I see eye to eye on this stuff. I know for sure. So we talked about it in the forums, but I'm just going to give you, give you my viewpoint on this thing. Um, there's a lot of information out there, okay? And if you go on YouTube and you see a video that says, how to make your voice sound great, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Um, and then you're watching what it is that this person does. I just, last week, I just watched a video, uh, just out of pure curiosity. You know, I'm doing a lot of this every single day and, uh, I watched it and the guy, uh, just, he train wrecked his audio and it's got, mm. I don't know, half a million views, a bunch of thumbs up. And, <laughs> you know, basically what he's doing is like, what I like to do is I like to compress and then I like to normalize. And then I like to compress one more time. And then what I do is I bring in the multiband compressor and then I like to add some sibilance. And then I like to normalize again. <laughs> and then what I'll do is I'll compress one last time just to sweeten it up a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, as you can hear, I end up with this great sounding, you know, VO. And, uh, you know, it's of course, you know, you're looking at the waveform and imagine it looks like railroad tracks at that point. Yeah. And, um, look, I get it. You know, you, you want to sound your absolute best, but um, voiceover is a completely different level when you uh, get up into certain layers where you're, where you're working for some of the bigger brands. And that stuff is just absolutely not going to fly. Uh, will it fly for a boardroom presentation where someone needs to talk about something? Um, yeah, possibly. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but again, you get what you pay for. And, and this is not an advertisement for me or anybody else. I'm trying to tell you guys out there that you should be working with a pro if you're going to, uh, take voiceover seriously. And you should be looking to talk to people about, uh, these guys or gals who can help you, uh, get off on, you know, on the right foot because it really you know, it's really easy to train wreck your audio and have someone remember you for yeah. doing that. Okay. It's really easy, especially with all of the misinformation or half right information, uh, that's out there. It's just, it is what it is. You know, uh, you can't, you cannot apply a lot of the musical stuff, uh, that you might be applying to, uh, um, to guitars and singing and all that kind of stuff. You can't apply it to VO. It's mm. a completely different animal. So you can make a a better sounding voiceover product with audacity and knowing what you're doing versus 
paying for Pro Tools and getting the UA suite and just screwing around. <laughs> Way better. I yeah. mean, I've All done day. I've yeah. done preset. Yeah, I've done presets for for plenty of Audacity users. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it's it's a no contest situation. It's mm-hmm. it's. It's not about like like Emmett was saying earlier. You know, they all basically sound the same. Uh, yeah. They may not all integrate with with certain plugins uh, the way that that some may, especially the the paid services. But yeah, easily because uh, I think I think the plugins are called Nyquist uh, that that are kind of native to uh, Audacity, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, but if you're on a Mac, then they can take advantage of advantage of the AU plugins yeah. that that come natively. But yeah, it's the ones I mean, that just are on GarageBand. Yeah, just just pulling down the EQ uh, right around anything that's boxy or, or honky sounding alone, and having an EQ to do that to get a lot of the room out of the mix. That you can do on just about any DAW. Hmm. Uh, and just about any DAW has an EQ, yeah. and you're and you're improving the VO you know, 100% at least by just pulling a lot of that room response out of there. So I'm going to say yes, mm. definitely. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And Tim, you kind of, you kind of tiptoed around it a little bit. So I'm going to be very black and white. If you don't know what you're doing with processing, don't process, get the best recording you can and leave it alone. Experiment in your own time. But if it's something that's getting sent out don't process it because if you don't have that background, if you haven't taken the time to really learn about it, you're going to do it wrong and you're going to make it worse a lot faster than you're going to make it better. Yeah, well absolutely. Put. Absolutely. Um, what about things like noise reduction and stuff like that? If you're not in the perfect space, how would someone go about applying noise reduction? You know, sometimes they may have to do that. Some of these pieces of software come with noise reduction built in. Others will require you to purchase additional software in the form of a plugin. So in that sense, you would have to receive some kind of training and and learn it that way. I assume that's that's what you would recommend, Tim. Uh, definitely. The, that being said, RX uh, by Isotope, um, you know, which I recommend all the time. If anyone wants to know how to set that stuff up, you can contact mm-hmm. me. But it's really not very hard at all. Yeah. There, there's a very simple formula to put that stuff together and there's a place to put it in the rack. Um, it almost doesn't matter with the RX stuff, but um, it kind of does. So there's a, there's a better place to put it in, in the order of the rack um, than you otherwise would. But a lot of the native noise reduction, I'm just not a fan. I haven't seen a DAW yet that can outperform Isotopes RX. It's hands down the winner. The funny thing, though, I know where you're going with this, but the funny thing, sometimes I use the audition noise reduction, and it seems to do a better job. And I don't know why in certain Uh, circumstances. It might be the settings. I don't know. Maybe I I can tell you that, you know, a a lot of what it comes down to is what kind of space you're voicing in in the first place. So, and what you're trying to fix, yeah. Right. And so yeah. RX, RX is just like a, a, a noise assassin. Yeah, yeah. It's right? I, I mean, it's just really, really I, well I built. like Audition's noise reduction. I do. I think it's very good. Yeah. And if I have 10 minutes to mess around with it, I can get some pretty good settings out of it. Bingo. Um, I can get almost as good in about five seconds in RX. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That, and that's... that's that's, that's on the, the money. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right on the head. You know, RX is just so easy to use and it's so easy to set up if you know the right settings. It's so incredibly easy and and it's inexpensive. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's normally, uh, it's normally $129. Sometimes it goes on sale. Uh, but you know, when people talk to me about RX and, and just the D click and the D noise, I tell them I'd pay $500 for it. I honestly would, because I, you know, I tell this to people that, you know, the way that I look at speaking in front of a mic, you know, I'm getting paid to do that. It's like coins falling from my mouth. Right. I don't, you know, the less time I'm spending in front of the mic, the more money I'm losing. If I'm sitting here editing and, 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 you know, pounding away and getting frustrated, which of course is going to affect my overall emotional state, which is not good for voiceover either. Hmm. Um, the message there is, which I'd like to just kind of make globally is you can go about this the hard way and spend a lot of time and a lot of effort, which time and effort is money. Yeah. Okay. And, and look, you can, I'll say you can screw around if you want to. That's awesome. But there are very few people that I know on this planet who already know enough about this and having, having the studio, uh, you know, musician thing going on, the engineering thing, all of those things that I thought I knew about this, I came into this game realizing, whoa, this is a completely different situation yeah, altogether. I can't just plug in my amp and throw a 57 on there and, and crank away at it and not have to worry about the room. Right. It's like, it's just me on tape. Yeah. And I have to send it in raw. Yeah. You know, and you, it, it, it blew my mind, you know, I so finally, obviously I got around it, but <laughs> I was so, I was so arrogant when I came into voiceover thinking, oh, I've recorded bands. I know what I'm doing, <laughs> but voice is so unforgiving, like literally the tiniest little thing. Well, and um, you haven't just recorded bands, you've recorded like major bands that, and that's, I, I think that, that says a lot about, you know, the, the gap between the whole YouTube crowd who are saying, you know, here's what I like to do to, to make something less sibilant, or here's what I like to use for compression or, mm. you know, uncle Johnny was an engineer and he says, well, we, we used to compress guitars at, you know, six, seven to one. Yeah. So just go with that kid, you know? And then they, <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, the, the point is, is that you can spend all of that time and effort and, and to, you know, like just digging and digging and digging and trying all sorts of stuff, which look, I'm not going to lie. There's a benefit to that because you get to know the nuts and bolts of stuff, Mm. but you're getting to know the nuts and bolts of stuff the hard way when you don't need to. There are people out there who can teach you and help you and they're readily available. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I I have a funny DAW story to tell you right now that uh, I'm I'm glad Tim took a moment on that answer because I was not being smart with my DAW and didn't close out everything else I had open. And uh, I, I glanced over and saw that the recording had stopped because I ran out of hard drive space. So <laughs> that's, that's my DAW story for the night. I'm rolling again, but uh, Jamie, you're going to have to do oh, a little bit of editing on your side. <laughs> that's that's fine, awesome. That's I love it. <laughs> that's going to screw my sink right up. <laughs> Medic! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's perfect oh well that was perfect timing for that to happen that's uh sort of yeah. do as go. we say not as we do <laughs> i love it and um, well you touched on something there tim which was um really important and that's workflow and you know let's move on from someone starting in this industry to someone who's working and who's busy so um how important is that you know i mentioned this earlier you know is it worth going up the, the software food chain or jumping straight in one thing that you do have to expend a lot of time and effort on, and I think it's worth it in the end, is learning shortcuts and stuff like that so you can whiz around. Now, I'm super comfortable on Pro Tools, and I know enough shortcuts so that I 
you know, can chop things up in real time as it's going. If you're doing something long form, you want to spend the time learning those things because it will add up to saving you a whole lot of time in the long run. So if you have to switch DAWs, that can completely mess with your workflow. So what would you say to workflow and how important workflow is? Workflow is absolutely everything. Mm. It's 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 at the heart of whether or not you're going to be able to get that next voiceover job yeah. because you did kick that thing out on time or um, you know, the, the stress factor, any number of things that might impact you, you and your life, because some people are coming to this and they're doing it part time. You know, they're trying to, they're trying to, uh, get their feet wet and, and, uh, kind of transition from, uh, the previous life. Uh, and the sooner you learn, uh, you know, how to create an efficient workflow, uh, that's effective, the better, because, yeah. uh, you know, when you, when you uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? And so yeah. I understand that it's difficult to go from uh, one DAW to the next, but uh, I'm all about best practices. I'm all about the right answers. And so, you know, mm. I've, I've tried every single DAW out there and I know enough about them. And do I have my own personal preference? Yeah, absolutely I do. Mm. Uh, but I am a huge fan of efficiency. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to for me is what's the most efficient way to get something done what's the smartest way to get something done uh so that i can not have to think about things other than being in the booth uh you know doing my job and uh you know get being productive mm. so from that perspective uh the reality is is that unless you can afford to hire someone to edit your audio and they're an ace and you know that you can trust them you need to learn to a certain degree how to do this kind of stuff but the great thing is, and I know I've said this before, when you enter this, if you believe, and I tell all of my students this, if you believe that the tech's going to be hard, you'll be right. Mm. 100% of the time, you'll be correct. But as it is with Audition or any other DAW, you open it up, it looks like the inside of a spaceship, <laughs> right? But here's the cool thing about it. For voiceover, you really only need to know like three or four different things. Right. Yeah. You don't need to look, I mean, can Adobe Audition, you know, do all of these things? Yeah. Do you need to do them? Absolutely not. Right. You know, you create a nice, easy workflow. Uh, you create a preset and you apply it and you send it on and then you move on to your next project. Mm. You know, it's as simple as that. And, Tim, and you, yeah, go ahead. You, you touched on something there that I, I want to hit on. You talked about only three or four of the, the functions in Audition may get used and uh it's it's funny if you go to music message boards talk to people in the music community they love to crap all over audition they they yeah. they love to talk about how it's not professional it's it's garbage nobody uses that right. if if you come to the voiceover side you have almost that same attitude towards pro tools but it's the other way around pro tools is elitist it's overkill it's this and that and the other <laughs> yeah. thing you're foolish if you waste your time with pro tools mm -hmm. it's 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 massive overkill here's the thing they're all overkill yeah. every last one of them yeah. Yeah. does way more than you're going to need to do basic voiceover yeah so it, it doesn't matter if it's overkill if that program feels right to you if you like something about it then it's for you if its workflow works with your workflow it's for you. It doesn't matter if it's Pro Tools. It doesn't matter if it's Twisted Wave. It doesn't matter if it's Reaper. It doesn't matter. 
as long as it it works with your workflow and helps you complete your job quicker. Yeah, yeah I love that you said that. And, yeah. I, and I would also like to add that I, when I'm doing music for, for film or for a commercial bed or something like that, I would never use Audition. I use Logic. I use Logic Pro for mm-hmm. that. And uh, I have a friend of mine who shall go unnamed who's still, <laughs> who's still on Logic, and he and I have a lot of fun going back and forth about this. But Logic has a sequencer in it which handles MIDI, which is music information, and Audition does not. And so it only makes sense that if, you're, if you've got samples and you're recording instruments and all that good stuff, that you would use something like Logic or Pro Tools, et cetera. Mm. Uh, from my perspective, if you've got something that doesn't have a sequencer in it, it makes more sense to use that uh, for voiceover, right? Because you just have way too much uh, potential for things to go wrong. And with Logic... I found that there are way too many things that can go wrong when it comes to processing uh, plugins like RX, for instance. It doesn't handle it very well. It chokes mm. on it, actually. And it delays it by a great degree when you're listening back. Uh, Audition it doesn't at all, right? So it really depends on the application. And so, yeah, Emmett, spot on, man. I mean, it really, it really depends on yeah. what you're doing, who you're talking to. And it also depends highly upon the level of sophistication that uh, of the project that the person is involved in. Yeah. You know, if someone asked me to write, you know, something for, I don't know, for film or something like that. And they said, but we need you to do it in audition. I'd say, well, you better go get somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's not going to happen. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I mean, there are very few times where you're asked to do something that is really going to tax, you know, from a client. I mean, that's really going to tax your DAW. I like Pro Tools because I feel like I can do anything that anyone requires of me. So the other day I had to match my voice to something that was Dutch. And I don't speak Dutch, <laughs> of course. But so I needed the video to sort of get cues onto what point I was hitting with my English. So it was quite easy mm-hmm. for me to just in, bring the video into uh, Pro Tools and do it that and sync it up that way. Um, which is not necessarily the case with others. But that, that's such an extreme example. Very few times, you know, if someone asked you to do that and you had Twisted Wave and it didn't have a video function, you would say, well, I just can't do that. You need to give me a script with timestamps, you know. Well, yeah. just on that note, I wanted to say, yeah. I've got a, I got a buddy, Carson Beck, who just recently yeah. put together a tutorial for Pro Tools that he shared with me on, because I asked him, you know, how do you do this, that, and the other thing? Because I support all sorts of, you know, DAWs, of course. And I said, hey, you know, can you do that for me? And what he sent was amazing. Uh, his workflow and the way that he does stuff, you know. So he figured out the best way to operate inside that DAW. Mm. And so, again, it just goes back to, and he's got, you know, he's a musician and, and a very good one. And, yeah. he's, and he's good with engineering and all that stuff, too. And so if he prefers Pro Tools over Audition for what it is that he does, hey, man, you know, if it works for you. And I've seen some people fly with, with Pro Tools. Just amazing, you know, amazing. Uh, and that's what they're used to using. And so they, you know, it becomes incredibly uh, efficient and productive for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're an audition fanboy and I'm a Pro Tools fanboy. Yeah. And and that's, and that's totally fine. I couldn't edit audio any faster and anything else just because of the, the workflow in Pro Tools, just because I'm so used to it. Um, but that's just my preference. And, and it's, you know, it's like you were talking about earlier. It's just familiarity. I've just been using it for so many years. So it's just normal for me. But yeah. when I went to Reaper, because it ha- it's it's actually not too dissimilar, I find, Reaper to Pro Tools, that was quite an easy switch. But when I tried Audition, I had to completely rewire my brain. I was like, uh, what, what's going on? Why is it doing this? You know, why can't I just 
drag this end. Yeah, I get, I get it. that. I get that from <laughs> my my. I work with some cinematographers who uh, sometimes I teach them how to use this stuff too, and they're the same way. They're already working in Premiere, and the workflow is really not that much different. Yeah. But once you get into waveform view, you know their heads explode. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they're just like, what is this? It's like, it's the simplest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just looking at the the raw audio and you're getting like, you're zoomed in and then they go, oh, yeah, that's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not, it's no longer multi-tracker in the single track and premiere, you know? So once, once you show them, then yeah, it makes sense. But, but again, Jamie, you were raised on Pro Tools. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, you, yeah. you've recorded tons and tons of bands and, you know, it's what you're comfortable with and. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right I'm in Audition and Pro Tools every single day. Both of them, I'm I'm pretty well bilingual between the two of them. Mm. Uh, Pro Tools is my primary working platform. Audition is my cleanup. If I gotta if I gotta bang something out real quick, uh, I go to Audition. If I have ten more seconds I can spend on it, I do it in Pro Tools. Um, mm. If I'm in the middle of working on something in Pro Tools and somebody, I need to record somebody else, they come in, I'm recording them in Audition. And so I, I keep both going all the time and, and I have to stay fairly sharp on both of them. Emmett is da-lingual. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Copyright Tim Tibbetts, 2018. I can't believe we've banged on for so long and uh, I've got this massive list of things that we need to talk about, but we just, we just don't have time. <laughs> it's so annoying. Right, um, but we'll do a, we'll do a follow-up episode yeah. of this. Um, just real quick, so how do people find out what works for them? Uh, Emmett, you mentioned earlier trying free or cheap trials. That's, that's probably the way to go, isn't it, to find a, the DAW that works for them? Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff out there. I, I know Reaper will let you use it restriction free, and I, I, I think you're non. If you like it, you're supposed to pay sixty five dollars. If you make less than twenty thousand dollars using it, something like that. They have weird pricing structure, but it's all kind of on the honor system. So you can use it as much as you want while you're deciding if you like it or not, um, which is really really cool. Uh, yeah. Audacity is obviously free. Um, I'm pretty sure Adobe has a, like a 30-day trial of Audition, so you can go in and find out if that's right for you. Yep. Uh, Pro Tools has Pro Tools First, which is a, a somewhat dumbed-down version, but it's it's got the essential workflow of Pro Tools, so you can decide if you like that or not and want to pursue that further. Um, so it's it's just a matter of hunting around and trying whatever you can get your hands on and seeing what makes sense and usually if you if you try two or three one of them's going to kind of click with the way you think yeah adobe audition i've always thought of as kind of being like uh microsoft word in the way it edits it, it it's just it's almost like like highlighting and deleting text you can copy you can paste and it yeah. all is like working within a word document and so i think that's one of the reasons it's appealing to a lot of people because the edit view has that similar Microsoft Word type feel to it, mm. but that's not right for everybody. It, it's right for a lot of people, and it's it's just see what feels good to you. All right, perfect. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I'm, you know, we were talking about this earlier about how I'm going to be uh, kind of dusting off the VO Tech Guru brand on YouTube uh, to start mm. uh, doing some more kind of shootouts and comparisons, and we're going to be doing a lot of. Pro Tools stuff, Audacity, Twisted Wave, Audition, and so on and so forth. So that'll give people the opportunity uh, to actually, you know, go in and see for themselves what the features are. 
Yeah. And right. so, you know, hopefully that'll help people. But uh, anyway, there's the plug for VO Tech Guru. YouTube. Right. Great. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got a time for a couple of very quick questions. Do you, do you guys have time to do a couple of quick questions? If we're Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay, so... Ken Edwards, and I think this is properly directed at you, Tim. He says, what is the best way to insert a correction into a track using Audition? Okay, so that really depends on whether you're in multi-track view or waveform. So mm. uh, since multi-track is pretty obvious, you would just record it, either split the audio with the razor tool and move it somewhere and then record your correction and then bring them back together. I'm going to assume you're talking about waveform view. So one of the things that you can do in Audition is you can put your playhead where you want to do uh, the pickup, and then you can insert silence uh, without going into all of the details. I believe it's under Edit, Insert Silence, and then you can put the amount of time that's in there. Uh, you can also, I think there's a favorite. Uh, I'm not sure if it's stock or not, but it, anyway, there's a way to insert silence. And so depending on how long the, the pickup or patch is, uh, you can put in anywhere from 10 seconds if you want up to, or less than that, but up to uh, 20 minutes or more if you want to, mm. uh, depending on how many times you want to just kind of drill over and over again. Like if you've got a bunch of alts or whatever, you can insert plenty of time in there. So that's, that's how I do it anyway. And then, and then what I'll do is after I'm done, I select the silence that's left over, uh, delete it, and then bring it all back in. Right. I actually have a different workflow with Audition for that very thing. Uh, I start at the end i i record whatever the pickup is at the end and then i cut and paste it where it needs to go that's right that's my way to do a drop in i love the way twisted wave works with this because you can just drop in the middle and it'll just shift everything after it on <laughs> which is really cool i don't know how to describe that you know everything... what no yeah i don't know how to describe that either but i noticed <laughs> that as well and so what is the advantage from your point of view we'll we'll turn the tables here why is it that you like it doing that? I think it's cool because uh, you don't have to worry about rolling over anything that you've recorded after. Oh, yeah. After yeah. that section. So um, yeah. I don't know. How, how would we describe that? So if you've made a mistake in the middle of your voiceover and you want to re want to drop in some audio, you can do that on that track. And every piece of audio that is after that section that you've selected will just move forward in time to make space for this bit that you drop in. And then you can cut it back to... Uh, to replace that yeah word so or it's line, so yeah so it's non-destructive it just yeah. keeps whatever audio you had recorded after the fact and just keeps pushing it forward so okay so that finally makes sense to me so there you go so we just covered three different workflows for covering a very basic task and we each have our favorites and that just kind of shows you yeah uh, just just how broad it can be um and and everybody has their favorite for their own reason yeah yeah spot on right. yeah Okay, um, Emmett, why don't you take this one? If you're using a powerful preamp like an Apollo Twin with dozens of virtual processors, should you dial in a sweet but very lightly processed default sound on that, then add anything additionally needed for the specific job in post? Now, when he says virtual processors, I think he's referring to plugins. So, right, and yeah. when he's referring to preamp, I'm, he, he means the interface. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Let's, let's moving past the uh, the terminal terminology. Should you use the plugins when you record with something like an Apollo? Um, I would say absolutely experiment with the the unison preamps, the different mm. uh, preamp sounds, because that's that's just very slight tonal differences, and that's 
sort of like just dialing in the mic a tiny bit. When it comes to actual processing, compressors, EQs, and the like, uh, I would say certainly experiment in your own time, toy with it, uh, see what you like, see what you don't like, uh, have some other people who you trust listen to it, other pros in the business, but don't send it until you're very, very sure that that it's the right thing for you. Mm. And so with the Apollo, you can choose to have that processing on the way in and listen to it, but it doesn't get recorded, or you can record that processing into your DAW. So I don't think any of us would necessarily suggest, you know, unless it was extremely light, extremely delicate, recording that process into or baking it into the audio before it even hits your DAW, because then you can't take it off. That's where it comes down to your experience level and and how well you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, uh, my processing is primarily hardware, and so that's that's the way I work. Mm. Um, I've also spent hours dialing that in, and I've, yeah. I've read every single manual for every one of those processors 10 times, and uh, and I still continue to tweak, and I'm talking like you know, 16th of an inch turns of a knob. And <laughs> if, if you're not willing to go to those lengths to get it exactly right, then absolutely don't write it on the way in yeah yeah and the apollo is great so if you like hearing that processing for your performance you can have it just make sure that that button isn't selected that it's recording to tape i forget what the uh what that button's called but um it's it's just uh, monitor and record so basically the difference between the two oh is yeah one, UAD you're, you're hearing the UAD effects yeah. yeah one is you're hearing the effects so typically a singer will want some comfort reverb which back in the day would be, you know, thrown out of a send and a return to an effects rack so they could hear actual reverb and feel comfortable in the mix uh, while they're singing, uh, but it wouldn't actually print to tape. Yeah. Right? The actual effect, just the vocal, so that the engineer could go back and apply whatever effects they want to it after the fact. But uh, for anyone who's listening out there, the Apollo uh, has DSP, which is just real-time processing, of effects so it could be eq it could be compression it could be gating any number of things and they emulate a lot of uh, uh famous preamps in there uh and eqs and whatnot so uh, to give you an example i'm just going to uh i'll do something here real quick so the people out there can hear what it is that i'm talking about uh, this is an area that's very boxy in the voice in eq which you can hear i'm very very boxy right now which is typically what we have in a lot of boots yeah this would be something that we would pull out down to make it sound a lot better uh if we were to do something like uh, make the voice sound a lot fuller then we would uh, boost this up and this is obviously way too much but to give you an idea uh this is would be one of many effects that you can use you don't uh, need we, any help in that area Tim. yeah <laughs> reverb and, yeah thanks i appreciate it well my voice is actually pretty shot today so uh, sounds but, terrible yeah, i appreciate that <laughs> yeah it, it does i've I, yeah, whatever anyway so uh, to give the people out there an idea of what it is that we're talking about, it's it's uh, that's what it comes down to. Is you can do this stuff in real time, so you can open up your sound like this, or or bring it back down, so on and so forth. And so when you're printing to tape with that, you're committing those effects, and once you commit those effects into the hard drive, you can't pull them back out. Okay. Mm. And Emmett, I actually think that you have because uh, we've talked about this before. Why don't you explain a little bit about uh, post effects versus uh pre 
uh, uh, relative to the level of capabilities that we have in DAWs today? The the easiest way I can put it is that by using hardware, I'm a dinosaur. I mean, you can do way more after the fact than you can do before the fact. Um, and also, if you do it wrong on the way in, you have ruined it for anyone who's going to try to work on it in post. And, um, you know, if you make one decision that that, that post engineer doesn't like, it's it's ruined. And he or she is going to throw up their hands and, and stomp around and curse you. And you're probably not going to get hired again. Yeah. So yeah. anything you send with processing, you have to be absolutely sure. And in my case, I've, I've got a whole stack of processors running and it's all to it all amounts to it sound sounding like there's really nothing running at all. That's right the yep. final goal yeah. that's that's so well put and mm-hmm. that's and that's the way that i put it to a lot of people who contact me is because they're told not to process and that's understandable because you have at least 80 of 80 of the people out there who go you know wherever they get their information youtube whatnot uh they get their information they overprocess, they send it in and uh they're they're never forgotten in the wrong way so when you are removing something like boxiness from a booth or you're rolling off noise on the low end where your voice doesn't exist anyway or you're you're declicking the right way and denoising to to make to get rid of the stuff that we don't want if you're at least doing that then you're not so-called processing as far as the engineer on the other end of the line is concerned if you're doing it correctly anyway yeah they're right? looking for you're, clean you're, yeah you're getting yeah. rid of the stuff that they don't want anyway yeah. That's right. You're saving them a step, but before you do those things, be sure that they're they're done right. You know, right. right. Get, hire somebody once. Hire hire me. Hire Tim. Hire somebody who specializes in listening to these things and can make recommendations. Can help you build a preset. Can help you hear the things that that maybe you're you're not trained to hear or your room won't allow you to hear, and and get it done right and then that becomes your processing and you can do it confidently and uh, know that it's not going to be off-putting to anybody. What what people don't want, what engineers really don't want is something that sounds like 1984 radio where it's heavily compressed and mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to sound you know, big and ballsy if you're a guy or, or you're trying to sound uh, you know, 10 years younger by cranking up the highs if you're a female. Uh, that's what they don't want to hear on the far end. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Unless you guys have anything else to add about DAWs, doors, whatever you want to call it, I think we can call it a day. So thank you, Tim. Thank you, Emmett. Any final thoughts? A lot of fun. No, it's just a lot of fun. And I'm I'm glad to have met with uh, two guys that I really respect in the industry who who definitely have it right. And everything that we're telling you here today is uh, the truth, Ruth. Always a pleasure. I love talking to both of you every time. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Okay, there we are. Thank you to Emmett and Tim for that discussion. That was a lot of fun to partake in, and hopefully it was useful and fun to listen to as well. I know we kind of rambled around a little bit and went off on a few divergent paths, but I think we uh, got to the point eventually. <laughs> a quick reminder to follow us on social media. Uh, all the links are at fioscorepodcast.com. 
Apologies for the length of that episode, particularly to Dolly Lewis, who's going through all of the episodes and writing up the script notes and putting them in that Facebook group that I talked about earlier. Uh, Sorry you got a lot of material there, Dolly, to go through. Okay, that's enough of me blabbing on. I'll see you next time. Thanks, bye. Thank you to this week's guests, our sponsors J. Michael Collins, IPDTL and Backstage Magazine. Thanks also to Kyle Marie Colucci and Chris Sharps for social media support. Special thanks to Patreon super member Angus Gunn. Join us next time for another class. <laughs>